Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Uh, we are so glad that you have joined us today. We have a great podcast in store for you. And uh, Josh Humphreys is back at my side. Josh, hey. so glad to have you. So glad. Glad you know, to be back, Troy. It is. It's been a while. It's been a while. We it had is. several, a variety of guests, and uh, and looking, at, you know, and we mentioned this earlier. We're going to look in the format to start introducing a third guest. Yes. Guest number three. Guest number three. Uh, back. Uh, so we're looking to fill that. A, I was gonna say the empty chair, but there's actually not a chair there. We're gonna wow. we're gonna bring in a chair and uh, and fill it. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's the way we're gonna. It's like church growth. So um, yeah. if you're a member of our church and you're, you're listening, um, contact me or Troy with our name at fbcj.us, and we would love for you to be on our podcast. You know, if you're not a member of our church and you want to be on the podcast, <laughs> we would entertain that that's idea. Also, a great idea. So, so Absolutely. Just about anybody who, if you are alive and breathing right now, <laughs> and you actually can type in the letters fbcj.us mm-hmm. yep. and put one of our names in front of it, Troy or Josh. Troy Four at, letters apiece. Troy at fbcj.us or Josh at fbcj.us. Um, that's us. Stands for United States. Uh, then, <laughs> if you can do that, if you can pull that off, then uh, send us an email. We'd love Absolutely. to have you on the podcast, and and we will set you up to make you look amazingly wonderful. Just and like so forth. us. Now, on our Facebook feed, which is live, <laughs> you may look a little bit scattered at that particular point because people see us propping you up behind the scenes. But right. but on the podcast itself, you you will sound as if you are very knowledgeable about what you are doing. Unlike ourselves, many many days of the week. But uh, today we are looking. We are in the book of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and we uh, Jeremiah has a lot of different sequences and passages that are just so powerful. And he and Jeremiah is a prophet who just you know you always get to picture this old guy, but Jeremiah comes to mm-hmm. uh, to comes to be a prophet of the Lord as a young man. Yes, uh, and just a horrible calling mm-hmm. no literally just, and, and you know <laughs> i and i've i've prayed many times please god i don't want to be the jeremiah calling yeah you know? because basically the, Jer- be the jeremiah calling is when god asks you to go somewhere and tell people the truth and nobody listens to you and you suffer along with them yes. for not listening to yep. you uh that that and is you start the, out when you're like what like six, 15 16 yeah, 15 16 and you, <laughs> and you spend your whole life telling people being miserable giving people a message of truth that they do not listen to and you suffer everything they do for not listening to what you know is the truth and uh and you are faithful through it all but but uh, we promise yeah jeremiah it is hopeful for some. Well, well, the happy ending. Yeah. The happy ending is that uh, when you die, <laughs> Jesus resurrects us Absolutely. from the dead and gives us eternal life. But uh, but it is it's kind of like Job. Uh, maybe it's that J thing. Ooh. <gasps> Joshua. Joshua. Job. That's Jesus. Me. John the Baptist. Wow. There's a trend. Jude. Um, <laughs> lots of suffering there. Uh, and uh, anyway, the um, the idea is that uh, like Job, Jeremiah was just faithful, mm-hmm. and uh, God, we know God rewards his faithfulness. But it but it gives us a message for those of us who don't necessarily have a happy ending, or people who don't listen to the message yeah. that we are sharing. It's a good um, reminder. For there, sure. It is a good reminder. And I'm inspired by his uh, faithfulness to maintain the message of God and to correctly disseminate. Uh, God's word and information. So mm, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll reference Jeremiah a little bit today. Or I will. Uh, I don't know what Josh has got. Planned, I won't. But, uh, Josh, is, Josh is not. But but we are also looking at Psalm 117 and 118 uh, and, uh, and and enjoying this because once we get past 18, Psalm 118, 
uh, we go into the, the great abyss of <laughs> Psalm 119 that uh, consumes our reading yes. uh, for some time to come. Uh, Proverbs 27, mm-hmm. uh, the whole, we're just, we're in there. We're in Proverbs 27, just a few verses here and there, some nuggets of wisdom, which we may or may not have time to share today. But, uh, but if you haven't read Psalm 20, uh, Proverbs 27, it is, it's worth a, worth that's, a sit. That's one of mine. A, worth a read. And is it really? You're mm-hmm. going to do Proverbs? Oh, I cool, am. Cool, cool. And, uh, and then Colossians, the, the letter to the Colossians. The Colossians is a lot like, um, Ephesians, Galatians, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a, a lot of little bit of a hybrid of information, mostly like Ephesians, I'd say. The letter to the churches of Ephesus is very similar to the letter to the churches at Colossae, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, there is uh, some. Uh, Paul gives these little. You know, when you're, re- when you're reading the letters of Paul, the his his uh, wording and the things yeah. he says, sometimes there's so much packed into every yes. individual verse. He's yes. very thoughtful about the things he's writing. So the passages aren't that long, but there is so much meat uh, invested in each of these yeah. verses, and Colossians is no exception there. So I love uh, the book of we, Colossians. we will see a little bit there. So so anyway, and uh, we actually do get into First Thessalonians, which mm-hmm. is First Thessalonians is the is what is thought to be the very first book of the <gasps> New Testament. So, wow, yeah, I didn't know it's that. The first letter that Paul wrote, uh, and most likely date wise. Uh, dates precedes all the other uh, precedes the gospels and all the other letters uh, as far as when it was actually scribed so um, that is the that is the thinking though That's we cool. don't know these things for sure but that is, that is the popular thinking so anyway we may uh, we may have some time for first Thessalonians but not but ov- obviously always you have an opportunity to read all of it and so just uh, if you're reading through God's word uh, these are the things we are going to look at today and hope you'll join us to get some insight into uh, what God shares in his word. Just the meaning of, of the whole point is, the reason why we do this is that there's always something about Jesus in every daily Bible reading of God's word. And we hope to highlight some of that when we return. Welcome back, and we are so glad I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back um, to the Understand Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy, and with me is Josh Humphreys. That's my name. And uh, we are we chose some passages that uh, from our daily Bible readings uh, this week uh, to share with you what we believe God revealed to us through the Word of God as we are reading together, and and believe this wholeheartedly that God has something to share with all of us. So uh, we our our hope is that you'll see well if these guys can pull things out of the Bible reading, I can do that too. Uh, and uh, and I always want to encourage you read uh, you can read commentaries and so forth, but just also ask God God what are you what are you saying through mm-hmm. this passage of scripture. If it's something far off the wall, then I do hope that you'll go back and choose to uh, look at someone with a with a great background in the Word of God or or some knowledge of Scripture, uh, especially a conservative. When I say conservative, I mean they believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible yeah. Word of God, <laughs> and uh, and are are looking to the original manuscripts to find mm-hmm. uh, the actual meaning of the text. And uh, so anyway. The, the, or ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions to us. Ask exactly. questions. Yeah, we love questions. We yeah, love for people to, to contact your pastor us or to someone you trust. Absolutely. Who understands the Bible. So anyway, I was reading Jeremiah chapter seven, uh, verses twenty-three through twenty-four. It says, "For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this command I gave them: I obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people." And walk in all the way I command you, that it may be well with you. 
but they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. Um, you know, we we have a habit of, uh, it reminds me of a guy who gave a large sum of cash every year to the church I grew up in, several thousand dollars. And never once did he ever come worship with us, never ever once did he ever actually attend the church or whatever. But it was like uh, it was like his way of, he was a businessman, uh, he uh, had a lot of habits that were, I know he, he knew himself, were not characteristic with a follower of Jesus Christ. But uh, but this was his way of saying, nah, I want to make things right between me and God, so I'm just going to give you know several thousand dollars to the Lord, and and we'll call it good. Uh, we all on every level or every scale, uh, that's that's one extreme. But on every scale, there's there's those of us who feel like we can give time or money or or go through some type of difficulty or punishment or do something that we hate. I know people who attend church and think they deserve some type of blessing because they sit through a boring sermon every week mm-hmm. and think, oh, I'm being very faithful because I'm just sitting here listening to this and enduring this. Surely God's <laughs> going to let me into yeah. heaven. There's absolutely nothing to do with what God is asking you to do at all. In fact, he's that's what he's saying. That's, that's the way the people of Israel were thinking. And he's saying, you're not getting closer to me. You're getting further away from me. You've come out of Egypt. You know, you, basically, if you think of, of get, coming out of Egypt as a, a, a wanting to uh, follow Jesus or a, f- making a decision to follow Christ, and then uh, and then you make this decision or whatever, but you don't actually get closer to Christ, you get further away from it. Right. And and that's what happens when people say, okay, I want to I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, but then they do every they don't do anything that God asks. They do the mm. things that they think they should do. To make yeah. you, it reminds wow. me, have you ever had people buy you a birthday present and they get you something <laughs> that you hate? And yeah. and it's like, you know, and you've made clear this is what would have made me happy. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, yeah, but I thought I thought this is what you would want. And, I'm and, too afraid and that's to have what, that conversation. I know, <laughs> I know, I know exactly. <laughs> but that is what we do with God. It's like yeah. we, we go to God. I know, God, I know you asked for this, but I thought you would like this better. Mm. Well, let me just give you a heads up. He does not want it. more. Right. He is. If anybody now there. It's feasible that me and my finite fallen self could say, this is what I want for my birthday, and you would know better than me, and I could be, you know, it could be something that's not good for me or whatever mm-hmm. that I'm desiring, and you could know better than that. But you're not going to know better than God. God is right. not fallen. God is not. So when he says, this is what I want, it is perfect. There's nothing lesser than that that would be good. And he says, clearly, he says, here's what I, if you want to be, if you want me to be your God, if you want you to be my people, here's all I'm asking you to do. Obey my voice. Listen to what, that means if you, if I don't say anything, you're absolved. I didn't say anything, so you didn't have to do anything. But if I do say something, if I do make it clear, because some people say, well, I just, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Well, it's like, well, what do you know that God wants you to right. do? Because obviously the Bible is his revealed word. So if the Bible says it, then that's God's word. And so if the Bible says it, then then we do it. So so we we do the things he makes clear. For instance, he says, I, Jesus makes absolutely clear, without a shadow of a doubt, he says, I want you to love other people mm-hmm. as I have loved you. Now, that part's clear. We know that this, he wants us to love other people as he has loved us. Now, if there's any ambiguity in that, it would be the question, well, how does Jesus love me? Mm-hmm. Well, all of the New Testament we have, uh, and much of the Old Testament, reveals to us how God loves 
loves us, mm-hmm. how he uh, lives sacrificially for us, how he just take washing our feet. Esteeming people better than ourselves, loving, being compassionate toward people. Uh, he he gives parables about uh, the sheep and the goats, feeding those who are hungry, sheltering those who are homeless, clothing those who are naked. These are things we absolutely have made clear to us. If we are not doing those things, then we are not obeying His voice. His voice. Those are things His voice makes very clear. Now, there's a lot of other things that have to be sorted out, but you start with those basic foundational things. You at the bare minimum should be doing those things in your Christian walk. You should be praying. You should be loving other people, esteeming people better than yourself, serving others uh, in, in above yourselves, living selflessly uh, and uh, laying down your life for others as a good friend. These are things that God makes clear by his voice. And when we do those things, we are his people. And when we do not do those things, we are not his people. And that's that's the thing he he makes very clear. Disobedience drastically complicates our lives. God God doesn't give us extra time or money to do with what we want, you know, to waste, uh, to pilfer away. Uh, it's like it's not God. God's not our Father in heaven who's going, okay, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars this week. I'm going to bless you with a thousand dollars. Five hundred dollars of it, if you want to waste on drugs and alcohol, great. But the other five hundred, I really want you to use for me and for my will. No, He He knows what He wants you to do. And he's giving you what you want. But when you're disobedient, now you now you don't have everything you need to do that which he asked you to do. And that incorporates a level of suffering. Now, you're you're hoping that there will be forgiveness and grace and restoration and so forth. But the reality is with time and money, once you lose those things, you don't ever get that back. That What you were supposed to do with that is forever gone. You could just now say, I from this point forward, I hope I'll be a good steward of what he's given to me and not waste today and today's resources and use those for God's glory. Um, and indebtedness obviously creates uh, it's a sinful behavior that creates uh, a difficulty in, in doing what he wants us to do. Now, he, does he provide a way out? Yes, absolutely. He provides, again, he provides a means of grace uh, to help restore us and forgive debts and so forth. But um, but we, we unnecessarily complicate our lives when we are disobedient to his voice. So this is a great reminder. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm in Colossians, um, kind of over chapter two and three together. Um, and before I hop into it, I wanted to point out that um, Colossians is a letter. Obviously, we know that. But yes. sometimes when we read the Bible, we look at the Bible and we try to read between the lines and be like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a hidden message here. Paul's writing to the Colossians. and But... He was a human inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's writing a letter. And just like when we write a letter, there's a thought process that is following. When when he's writing, dear Colossians, blah, 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 this is my prayer to you. And then he goes into this thing. Sometimes Paul has a lot of run-on sentences, and he lets his— um, He does have run-ons. He does. And it, it's a really long thought. But you have to zoom out and look at, okay, what did he just say, though? Like, he's breaking things down in the middle of his sentences, and that's really hard. So we need to zoom out a little bit when we're studying these letters, because just like us, when we write letters, we we have a point to what what we're trying to get to. And there's nothing—well, there are things that the Lord reveals to us and and illuminates to us. But it was a letter written to the the Colossian people. Mm. And so we need to look at it as a letter, not as some coded— secret message but but it's a letter so anyway 
With all that being said, Colossians 2.23 says this, These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. And so I had to look up what on earth Paul was talking about here because I was thoroughly confused as um, what's happening here. Why are these Colossians being faced with these problems? And there are these people, I have no idea what they're called. They have a name, but I do not remember it. Um, but basically they're Christian monks. The, ascetic? These, yes. Yeah. That's what it is. The Sorry. ascetic people. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. These Christian monks basically, and, and they devote their life to the Lord and they do all these crazy things like mm-hmm. severe bodily discipline. They would like cut themselves and do all these weird stuff or they would right. move off and they would be self-denied and they will, will do all these things. But look what Paul says. He says, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Mm-hmm. And so today as Christians, from my from my experience, I've experienced a similar thing, not like cutting selves and, and this self-denial and, and this crazy stuff. But just for example, I, I remember being in a ministry where um, someone said, if you're not praying for three hours a day in the morning, then you're not praying correctly. <laughs> or um, if you're not sharing the gospel with any person um, in these conversations, if the gospel is not your point of every single conversation, when you're sharing with them, then you're not evangelizing correctly. Or if you're sitting with a lost person and your conversation does not base around you getting to know their spiritual walk and all this stuff, then you're evangelizing wrong and you're not getting to love people. Um, we have to read the Bible this certain way or speak um, this certain way or God won't speak to us. So we, we base our faithfulness off of, or we base God's grace and rewards and speaking to us based off of our faithfulness. And those are some examples that I've experienced. And I know there's a lot um, beyond that. Um, But what Paul, again, this is a letter, his thought process is going to is if we look down in chapter three, what he's saying, three verse 10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Mm. So don't become like these ascetic people who are doing all these things that, that requires strong devotion and stuff because it may look good, but he says, no, be renewed in your new nature as you learn to know your creator and be like him. And then he goes on and he closes this big thought with a, with just a few verses, I'm going to read them. It's 12 through 17. And he says that since God chose you to be holy people, he loves you. You must close your, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And in this part, he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember mm-hmm. the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. And so he's going into this again. This is what Christ says. This isn't what the ascetic people say. This is right. what Christ says. So So make room for a fault for your friends and love them and forgive them. So he keeps going above all clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, not the law that the the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so then he closes it all together. Let the message about Christ and it's and all its richness fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom. He gives Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And so Paul breaks this down and he says simply, this is what we're called to do. Be renewed uh, in the creator. And and he loves you. And since he loves you, this is what he calls you to be. Merciful and patient. Forgive others. Don't 
Don't become like the ascetic people who scoff at you for not being like them. Mm. But he says, be like Christ. And then he finishes it with, be a representative of him who loves you. And it is this beautiful thought process. Again, we have to realize Paul has a point, but sometimes we have to zoom out instead of zoom in. We need to zoom out and see what was his point. It was that there are people who are causing you to do things that are not biblical. This is what Christ has called you to do. And this is how you do it. You be a representative of him. And it is so, so so cool. And I love that. I love that about this, these two chapters. Do you ever think about when, um, you know, when you do something wrong and you hit yourself in the head, it goes stupid, 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 mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah. How that's really asceticism. Yeah. And it's no, absolutely. But we, it's just like a natural inclination yeah. that when we do something wrong or we think we've done something wrong or, I mean, and you take that to, it's uh, that we deserve to be punished. Right. And, right. and that if we will get hit or, you know, and, and we do something, uh, like I remember when I would do something bad to my sister yeah. or something like that, and I'd be like, "Well, hit me, hit me back." Right, you know? right, right, right. It's like I've I've done this right. and I deserve this, so hit me back, make me... because right. that's how we f- we we feel like we need to pay for yeah. Yeah. whatever it is we've done wrong. Yeah. yeah, you take that into religious cultures mm-hmm. when you have someone who's sick or dying, and they were like, "How do we make them better?" And and if you have somebody come along and say, "Well, it's because you're not good enough," or right? You're not because you're not holy enough. And it's like, but if you will, um, I remember when we went to uh, visit Mount Sinai, the the steps, there's steps to go mm-hmm. up this, we call it the fake Mount Sinai, cause it's not really Mount Sinai, <laughs> but uh, the steps that go up to Mount Sinai um, are carved, were carved by a, a monk mm-hmm. or a priest or, or some, somebody, some holy, of, of a holy order. Mm-hmm. But uh, he spent his entire lifetime carving out of rock steps up there as an act of penance for the things he'd done wrong mm-hmm. in his life or for the things wow. he'd done. And... And but we but we all think like yeah, that. Absolutely. I mean that's that's the natural tendency yeah. and pagan religions or religions that are not grounded in the word mm-hmm. of Christ. Right. Uh, they lead to that because basically it comes down to this: you and I feel like we need to do something right in order to yeah. atone for our own sins. The message that Jesus gives is we cannot atone for our own sins. Yeah. The only one right. who can atone for our sins is Him. Yeah. And He did the suffering. He He did the work mm-hmm. of salvation. And that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. It would be like me coming along and saying, "Hey, you don't have to do the steps. I'll mm-hmm. do the steps for you. You right. go, you go sit on the couch. Yeah, you know, watch done. TV, and yeah. I'll do all the steps. You're I mean, free, and you're free. Mm-hmm. It, that doesn't even make sense no. to a person. But that's what Jesus did. Well, yeah, and it's and if we go back a little bit in Colossians two, it talks about he he starts with let your roots grow down into him and let your lives built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth. But he goes down right after he says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. And then, and then he just goes on a little bit more and he, he says, um, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Yeah. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world such as don't handle, don't touch, don't eat? And right. he's like, that stuff is not... Not, no, Christ set work. you free, and so yeah. live in that freedom, and that's okay, and it's good because that's Christ. Yeah. And I, oh, I just love it. Yeah, I powerful. love it. Gospel's anyway. pretty strong. Gospel's pretty strong. Yeah. Well, I also had something from Colossians. It comes from chapter three, verses two and three. It says, "Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God." And uh, like I mentioned earlier that Paul just has a way with these simple statements and but they have carry so much. They're so uh, pregnant with with meaning. And if you go back up a verse, he says, so if you have been if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ 
uh, is seated at the right hand of God. So if, so if we have been raised with Christ, if we've been changed by God, then our, our focus is to be where he is and, and not on the things on the earth. So, so putting to death in, in verse uh, 4, he, uh, he says, uh, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And then goes on to, to name off a lot of things that are of our earthly nature. And, and this is our continuous struggle to relinquish this life mm-hmm. and live completely in Christ. Uh, every day we get up, there's there's two natures at work inside of us. It is the Spirit of God working in us to simply say, okay, now just just don't live your life. Don't right. don't live the life you want to live. <laughs> just simply get up and do the things that God has for you to do today, and and the yoke will be easy and light, and I will get you to this, and I will and I will move mountains out of the way. I will part waters when they need to be parted. Everything that needs to be done, I'll get done for you. And and then the, our own flesh comes in and says, yeah, but, you know, I'd really like to do this today. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to go and accomplish this or see this person or do this thing or whatever. And it doesn't fit in God's plan for the day. It doesn't, And we know it. It's something that God does not have for us. Or I really want to see this show or I really want to experience this uh, entertainment or pleasure right. or fill in the blank. I want 12 Krispy Kreme donuts without consequences oh. as well or whatever the case. And once we start, once the moment you take that step, the moment you go in that direction, mm-hmm. now you are at war with yourself yeah. because God's like, well, I got to do something to stop yeah. that. <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. So, so then he begins to unravel your day. Mm-hmm. And, and some of our days are just completely filled with that unraveling of us constantly trying to reach something that God never asked us to reach for or to pursue or to go after. It's based in our pride, based in our will, based in something that does not uh, come from Christ. Uh, and and then and then we go to bed and uh, and it's over because I, God always wants us to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> he wants us to go to sleep at night. So so when we close our eyes and sleep and, I, and when we don't go to bed. We're, we're just continuing that process yeah. because it's God's will for us to rest. And so when he calls us to go back to rest, we need to just release the day. And because uh, then we're like, I got to fix it. Yeah, you know, I've right, messed right, up the right, day. Right. I got I to get all the things God wanted me to do. And day mm-hmm. is, God's like, it's too late. It's over. Yeah. The day's gone. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. Yeah. So just shut your eyes and let's do this again tomorrow. That's what I loved this past Sunday sermon um, when we were talking about Sarah scoffs at God when, mm-hmm. when he's like, oh, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, huh. And then she laughs. And then um, he talked about in the sermon about how just God says, I know you laughed and I, I get it come back to me. Don't lie to me. Just come back. He's like, just come back. You're still my daughter. And it's like, but that again, the freedom in that we go to bed and we wake up and new mercies every morning. Come back, come back. You messed up. That's come back. That's, that's what I want to do. And I love you. And that was just a beautiful picture of just like, wow, that's what he does. Like he's never like there, there's, I think it's in um, Philippians or James where it talks about God does not scoff at us and does not laugh at his people, but he just loves us. And he doesn't, I think the, in the Greek word, it talks about like railing someone like, and, but he doesn't do that. He loves us and he welcomes us back. And it's just like, that's a good reminder. It is. And, and it's just a kind of a word of encouragement. If you are a person who, uh, because at some point you realize, wait, wait a second though. I do this every single day. I don't, I'm not, I've, I mess every day up. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm a runner. I like to run. And one of the things I've discovered about running is if I will get all my stuff 
ready for the run tomorrow. I'll get all my clothes out. Have my if I'm mentally preparing for yeah. the run the night before. Right. So when I go to bed, the first thing I wake up, it's all there, and I just and I just I'm groggy or whatever. But I go through the motions, and I have a you know just you're disciplined into a, a habit of just here's what I do in order to get ready for the day. I already know the forecast. I already know what to expect. Uh, and so unless something crazy comes and and interferes, then I just get up and do the run. Um, our spiritual life is very much the same way uh, because Satan is going to come full throttle in the morning and he's going to try to keep get something between you and God's word. Uh, it's so important to go straight into God's mm-hmm. word the moment you get up yeah. and uh, and get your mind, you know, the, as your mind is starting to uh, open up and awaken up or whatever, to have just uh, whatever, whatever you can. Not, you know, it's kind of like the toast of God's word, you know, not not the deep bread. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Something light, just yeah. a, a verse here or there. Just yeah. encourage me, to, but just right. get my mind in the right place and the right focus. And and then instead of the wiles of the enemy coming mm-hmm. in and saying, and uh, and I don't know about you, but I fight this battle every morning. It's yeah. like it, it comes yeah. in, and it's like ah, this morning, get out your phone. Let's see what's on social media. Right. Let's see what's on. Right. I mean, I'm just saying right now, Facebook and Twitter are just not inundated with scripture right, to the point right. where uh, the enemy has a lot of access into your brain at that mm-hmm. point. And so you, you get, uh, you start, you get on that path and then he is putting, there's lies yeah. instantly and things to distract images that will pull your brain away from ever, anything he can do to distract you from Christ. Uh, he is going to, that's why he says, set your mind, mm-hmm. that setting of your mind, that make a, a mental determination that your brain is not going to go yeah. in another direction. Right. So set your mind on the things above, on the, on the Christ who is seated at the right hand of the father. So, uh, so have, it could be, it doesn't, it's nothing that can't be your phone, but make it the Bible app or have it yeah. set to give you, go to that verse first of all, but have that, uh, it, it's a discipline to rise and turn to the word of God for a proper focus each and every day. And it is an every single yeah. day occurrence. That's one of the things in my traveling. Yeah. I made it, a, I made it a purpose that when I travel, I used to say, well, I'm on vacation or on a mission trip, but right. things are different. But now I, I make sure that yeah. I, I build into my daily riches more so. Right. In fact, that I get up whenever everybody's going to get up and get their day started. I back my day up 30 minutes to an hour or more so I make sure I have time with the Lord before we get started. You shared something a while ago. You quoted someone. I don't know if it was in a sermon, if it was on a podcast, but you you quoted someone and they had said something to the extent of, I leave my Bible on my bedside table so that in the morning, the distance between my bed and the bathroom is even too much for Satan to get in in between or whatever. George Mueller. Okay, yeah. And, And he talked about how he reads something like just not again, like we're not. Not the whole breakfast, but just as before you get out of your bed, even, you know, the distance from there to there, a short distance in yeah. my house, it's short, but it's still Satan will use those that's footsteps. That's too much opportunity. Yes, yeah. right there. Yeah. And I don't know, that's, that's changed my mornings. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Charles Stanley used to say that he prays through Ephesians 6. He prays mm, through the putting wow. on the spoon as he lays oh, there yeah. in bed. My dad he, would, yeah. he said he he thinks through each of the pieces mm-hmm. of armor and prays through that as he that's puts cool. that on before he gets out of bed. Yeah. That's also a good, good practice. That's really awesome. Yeah. 
Good stuff, my friend. Yeah. Yes. Good. Well, we're gonna try um, to try to. I still have one more. Oh, you still have one more. That's really awkward. Okay, it is awkward. Um, but it's Go really ahead. short. It's it's Proverbs twenty seven six. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and awkward. I have done a lesson with my students called relationships, but not dating. Um, Ooh. and we just talk about uh, discipleship and friendship and what that looks like in the Bible. And this passage always pops up, and I think it's an important passage when we're looking. Um, to build community when we're when we're looking as am I a good friend am I a good disciple maker am I a good trustworthy person this verse Proverbs 27 6 says this wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy and it's so hard mm. to wrap our minds around this truth right Troy and I if if I if I was a person who hated him if I was not a believer and I walked into the church right and Troy says something um, I don't know, Josh, your feelings, let them take control and do that. And if, if I'm his enemy and he doesn't know that and I praise him and say, Troy, that sermon was incredible and it was awesome. But since I'm not that, if Troy did that on a Sunday morning and I, who am also a believer and I'm, cl- I'm we're, I don't know, we're close. I don't know what we are, but that's great. But I would walk up to Troy and say, hey, Troy, <laughs> listen, that's not what the Bible would say. Right, and it may hurt his pride for a second, it may wound right. him, right? But it's not killing him. It, it may it, wound him. It would never happen. But go ahead. Right? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so I would walk up to him and say, "Hey, this this was not this was not good." Yeah. Or maybe maybe one of my friends is in sin and they're they're not reading their Bible and they know that, but it takes a second to say, "Hey, yeah. friend." You are being attacked by Satan right now, and you're believing the lies that these things of the world are better, mm. or that God's not good. And so then it takes us as friends saying, "Hey, this is not okay." Um, and you need to be pulled out of that. And so this is a, a good picture of reproof and rebuke and understanding and friendship that friendship. Um, someone, someone once said, I don't know who it was, but it, they talked about how um, our job as friends is to keep each other believing in God. Yeah. And we need to do that. And so Christians, if, if you don't have people in your life who are able to do that to you and just wound you for a second because wounds heal. Um, you need to find that or you need to tell your friends, hey, I need this. I need to help be vulnerable, be clear. This is my job as your friend and this is your job as my friend is to, to hold me here because yeah. at the second end of this verse are better than many kisses from an enemy. Running to our enemies has never saved us. Hmm. And what is your enemy? Maybe maybe it is a sin. Maybe it's a an addiction to a person. Maybe it's an addiction to something. Maybe it's just, I, I don't know, what sin in your life or, or maybe there is a person that you are always going to who's not a christian but running to that enemy is never going to save you and and it's important that we have friends who wound us for a second say hey that's not okay um let's back up yeah and let me help you out as well right yeah and that verse goes beyond really it's it's saying uh in my version it says but the kisses of an enemy are excessive and it's Mm -hmm. yeah the the wisdom that uh solomon is giving there is saying that when someone is excessively gushing on you mm-hmm. and so forth, yeah. you need to recognize they are not right. your friend. Right. That there is yes. almost always an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. There's something they are trying to mm-hmm. g- gain from that relationship or from that flattery. And, and I think that when we walk in the spirit, mm-hmm. I think I think a little alarm goes off when yeah. somebody's being excessively right. kind or not, not just kind, but but flattering. Yeah. And uh, and you start to think, hmm, I'm not sure that you're in my best interest. Yeah. And and you need to label that person. Right. I'm not sure that you're a person who can be trusted. That I I had a my my infamous story of life when I was in Campus Crusade, um, and younger than Josh actually, <laughs> uh, and I was in Campus Crusade and 
I was attending there. And when I started college, I had been, I, you know, I was a faithful church member. I mean, to say I was a faithful church member is like an understatement. I never missed church. I never, never missed any service, never missed Sunday school, never. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I was about as religious as I let as there was uh, for, for a young Baptist boy. And uh, so I went to college. I had some, you know, I'm it. I'm, I'm something to prove to all these you know, right. lesser people. Yeah. And the the BSU, it was BSU back then. It's BCM yep. now, but uh, Baptist Student Union, uh, it was really a, a muck. And mm-hmm. so um, everybody was like, you don't want to be a part of that. It's, yeah. it's gone liberal or whatever. So <laughs> Campus Crusade was the place to join. Well, Campus Crusade, I found out, wasn't all Baptist. Right. So I was like, oh, well, there are a lot of lesser yeah, yeah. lesser inspired folk Ooh, here. So, uh-oh. so uh, And the leader, one of our leaders was a uh, Methodist. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, whatever. And so I, um, but uh, I got bored with it and mm-hmm. had other things going on in my life and so forth. So he would always call and say, hey, you coming this night? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, whatever. Didn't really have any intention of being there. Right. Just kind of brushing right. him off or whatever. And then, you know, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I had something come up. Anyway, we did this three or four weeks in a row. And then he showed up at my dorm door and he said, hey, um, uh, I was like, hey, and Daniel was his name, uh, as, a, as irony would have it. But um, <laughs> but the uh, I said, hey, Daniel, what's going on? And he says, hey, he says, I just need to come by and talk to you. And he said, um, he said, hey, this really it really pains me to say this. He said, but I just I just need to come and say, hey, you know, you're you're a liar. And oh, uh, and I. I got I mean, I could feel the rage yeah. starting to seep yeah. up inside of me. And he said, you see. He said, a liar is somebody who says something that is not true. And he said, and you for several weeks have told me you're going to do this. And you said, you'll be here and Mm -hmm. so forth. And then you're not there and you don't do it and so forth. And he said, and it bothers me that you are pushing forth that you are this person who's this faithful follower of Christ and so forth. Yet you are not a person of your word. He goes, and that is a liar. And he says, and he's got just convicted me that I need to call you out on that. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you so much for that insight and information. (laughs) And then he walked out the door, and I began a process of character assassination on him. Right. I would, like, call yeah. people up and said, you know, yeah. he's Methodist, and who knows what he is, and right, all these right, different, right. whatever bad rumors I could think of. It was awful. And and then um, went through one of the worst processes of my life. You know, I've shared my yeah. testimony before. Then my life just spiraled down yeah. and right. went bad and so forth. But when I came out of that, uh, the very one of the very first things that God showed me was how faithful yeah. Daniel was yeah. to me, and um and how and how I, that he was such a person of integrity. So he was one of the first people I went back to, and said, "Man, I first of all I have to apologize for the things I said and yeah. so forth, and just the and the other is just that you were such a you were so faithful to yeah. be honest with me, yeah. and realize that he he was the friend, you yeah. know." Uh, and, and I, and I never, it, it scarred me deeply, but it was, but it was one of those things that, uh, that I think everybody, I, you hope everybody gets to know without having to go through right, what I went through, right. but, uh, but it was, uh, but it was a, a great lesson in, in that, uh, God really, God, this is who God is. Yeah. God is, God is the one who loves us enough to tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want, you want somebody who will tell you you've got something yeah. green in your teeth. Right. You want somebody who will love you enough to say, uh, hey, there's a speck in your eye mm-hmm. and uh, and I can help you with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but if you surround yourself with people who always say the things you want to hear, uh, then you are surrounding yourself with people who hate you and yeah. eventually will result in your own demise. So. I think it's under I think it's really important to understand what when we say enemy, what that means. It's like. 
someone used an analogy one time and it's really cheesy but like there's football teams right and god has a football team and satan has a football team right and so there's players on both teams well the other team never wants the other one to win so if you're on god's team and you're friends with someone on the other team well that's the other team they don't want you to win and so in my head when i read that i put it in my my mind of their spirit is already against me. They don't want they don't yeah. want me to be okay. They don't want me to win. And so however they can get me to that point of not winning, they're going to do. So they're flattering them with kisses and you know, like yeah. that's important to understand. When when we're looking at enemies, we're not talking about like if I'm friends with a, a lost person and we're just physically enemies. No, 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 no. We can be friends with with our enemies physically, but their spirits against us. They don't want us. So if you're going to a, a friend for advice who's not a believer, right they're not going to give you spiritual good. Like they're right. they're whether they know it or not, their spirits against you. They don't, they don't want you to su- succeed and Satan's going to do. And his demons are going to do what they need to right. do to take you down. And right. so that's dangerous. And here's, and, and that's a great point because uh, just having come back from a place to steep yeah. in paganism, there's, there's this idea that, well, this person worships false gods, but they're such a nice person. Yeah. And yeah. I really like them and so forth. And, and, and it's like, you have to go back and say, okay, wait a second. The fact that they are worshiping false gods means that they are on a team yep. that is that is reaching a conclusion mm-hmm. that is contradictory to the god that right. I serve. Right. And so even though I now I've become friends with them. Yeah. And fr- and that's what Israel did. Yeah. Israel no, got to, Israel's like, oh the Canaanites are really cool people. Yeah. You know, they like football. We like football. Right. You know, they right. like they like they like nachos, we like yeah. nachos. Yeah. You know, so let's all be buddies. Right. But it, at the end, it's like, oh wait, their God is different than my God. Yeah. And so their conclusion is different than my conclusion, and their conclusion is trying to fight against my conclusion, right. trying to get my God to fail. Well, heads up, your God's not gonna fail. Yeah, <laughs> your right. God's gonna exactly. your God's going to obliterate yeah, all of these people. Absolutely. And you're saying, why would my God want to demolish good people? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but they uh, are. Yeah, they're not. He is not their God. Right. They are putting their faith and their mm-hmm. trust in a God. It doesn't have anything. We always think it has something to do with us being good. No. And it doesn't right. have anything to do with me being good or bad. It has everything to do with that I'm under the control of God's enemy. Yeah, right. And I have to be rescued from his control. And now I'm under God's control. And he and He has said, I am going to vanquish everything under right. my enemy's control. I'm right. going to completely obliterate my enemies. So the goal is to get everybody to stop worshiping the enemy. Right. And and you're like, well, what if what if they start worshiping my God? Well, yeah, that's the whole great. point. That's exactly Absolutely. right. If they start worshiping your God, then they've been converted and saved and and uh, and are rescued and redeemed. But uh, but if they refuse to acknowledge your God, uh, that's that is the whole yeah. point. Is that and I I think people just well obviously. And if you've lost sight of that, guess guess who wants you to lose sight of that? Absolutely. God is not trying well, to get you to lose sight. And that's why Satan does the opposite of God. He flatters us, yeah. right? And our enemies flatter us. And, our and, kind, God, and, our, and our, yes. there's a kindness and a goodness Satan's that comes from the enemy. Satan's great his job. Yeah. He's been doing it for yeah. generations and generations. So he's yeah. flattering us, doing things that humans enjoy. And God is, like you said, he's revealing the actual truth to us. And he's saying, hey, no, this is this is what's true. Yeah. And it, it God flips the script. And he says, hey, rewards are coming. But this is what's happening right now. Yeah. And I love that. And we and we say this all the time. We do not believe that we 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 earn our salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in everyday life we all practice as if we are earning our yeah. salvation. Yep. As if good people should go to heaven and mm-hmm. bad people should go to hell. And it's not it's that the entire world is going to hell because Satan has taken it yeah. away from the God who created it. Yeah. And until they return to their creator, 
who is holy and mm-hmm. insist on people worshiping him because if we are not worshiping him, if we're not abiding in him, then then hell is the result. Right. And right. Um, because we've alienated ourselves from him. So it's a it's yeah, it's it, that's something we had to be reminded of over and over and over again. Well, a good word, Josh. Thanks. Appreciate it, brother. Holy Spirit, you're doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to see if we have a few questions to address when we come back. We'll be back in just a moment. Well, welcome back. And we have a few questions we are going to address before we close out today's podcast. And Josh is going to bring us each of the three questions. Josh, what is question number one? We are beginning in Colossians. Uh, So Paul is writing a letter to the Colossian church. And he mentions uh, another location, another group of people called the Laodiceans or Laodiceans, however we pronounce it. But so my question is, who is Laodicea? And why is Paul agonizing for them and the Colossians? Because in 2, 5, um, he said, I'm sorry, 2, 1 says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Why is Paul agonizing for them? What does that mean? Is there something happening in that area? What's going on? Yeah, the the churches are in Turkey, what is now modern day Turkey, and uh, and the significance of Laodicea is is one of the seven churches mentioned in uh, Revelation, and uh, that particular church is the uh, is the lukewarm church. If you remember, their faith was lukewarm, and and he said, "I wish that you were not neither hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth." And and uh, that passage uh, is taken out of context because I, I used to think. Uh, people, I used to have preachers who would say to me, well, it's because uh, warm water makes you throw up, and that's what you do. If you want to throw up, you drink warm water. I'm like, I drink warm water all the time, and I don't throw up. So it's like I actually like lukewarm water better as opposed to cold. Uh, but yeah. uh, but it is more about uh, the there was a pipeline between Laodicea and another city and, and so forth, and, and when in this uh, – Anyway, the water was contaminated and so forth, and it uh, caused sickness and so forth. If it was because it was, it just sat there. And uh, but um, but uh, beyond that, um, Laodicea was a self-confident church, um, and had and their confidence and their faith had blinded them to the reality that they were not that they were actually poor, blind, and and naked uh, in reference to their actual faith in God. And in and in some ways, uh, Colossae was in this place. The ch- uh, Ephesus, which is also one of the seven churches of uh, of Revelation, uh, all the churches in this region. So basically, you can think of it like when a letter would go to Colossae, uh, like when the letters were uh, the letter to the Ephesians. The example, it is not to the church at Ephesus. It's a letter to the churches at Ephesus, meaning it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a uh, I say chain letter, but it's like a it's a, a letter that goes on from town to town. And, um, and so when, in this same way, he's saying, not only am I sending this to the churches at Colossae, I also have a burden for the churches at Laodicea and gotcha. so forth. And he's speaking uh, to them as well. And they, and they had a lot of the same issues and so forth they were dealing with. And again, those come out, those greater issues come out in uh, Revelation where uh, John, the revelator, uh, addresses those things uh, through uh, Jesus, as Jesus reveals. Here, the, here's here's the problems I have with you people at uh, Laodicea. So, gotcha. Yeah. 
Well, um, I have another question in Colossians. It's Colossians 2, verse 15. And it says, In this way, he, being Jesus Christ, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so my question is, we hear about these spiritual rulers and authorities in Ephesians 6 Mm -hmm. and uh, and other places in the Bible. So who are they? We obviously know it has something to do with Satan and his demons, but they say spiritual rulers and authorities. Right. And so what is that? Well, you actually, you made the reference in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, same message, same same area that these letters are going through. And if you can think of it like... um, like I'm sending a message to um, to the churches in Southeast Missouri, mm-hmm. and I've sent a letter to Jackson, and now I'm sending a letter to Perryville. I know that they're going to both get that information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. So he's kind of piggybacking on information that he has from one to the other, uh, depending on which one gets there first. But uh, so we can take un- an understanding we have from Ephesians chapter six and apply it here as well. And Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And what Paul is is revealing to it, or what the Holy Spirit is revealing through Paul, and, and not just here, but elsewhere, as we see where Paul is taking this from other parts of of uh, God's Word, that in every in every locality, in every government that there is, there is a a spiritual force behind that. Meaning, you have like I say, a mayor of Jackson. Well, behind that mayor of Jackson, there is either a uh, the spirit of God who's undergirding that, or there's the spirit of the enemy. And uh, and and so that means that no matter who the person is that you put in that place, it doesn't matter because it is the spirit that has the authority there. So so you kill the person, you don't kill the spirit. Right. Uh, so he'll just raise up somebody else right. to take that place. It's kind of like Hydra in the Marvel mm-hmm. series. Yeah. You cut off one head, two more will rise up in his right. place. But from in the spiritual realm, it, it's very true. I, and I, I've tried to explain this to people. If you're in a church and and you have this um, this person, it's like if Judas wasn't the one who's going to betray Jesus, and they kill you, go back in time and you kill Judas as a kid, mm-hmm. think you're going to save Jesus. You're not going to save Jesus because right. it's the spirit that entered Judas right. that well, who's who kills Jesus. It's just Judas was the guy. Uh, you killed that person, Judas. That same spirit is just going to fill somebody else, mm-hmm. another yeah. Judas, another person, and going to accomplish the same thing. And those and those principalities, those powers, those authorities that are in place have been in place ever since Adam gave the power of the earth over to uh, the to Satan. Uh, Adam is Lord of the earth and Lord with a little L, meaning he was given dominion over the earth to watch over the earth. To, the earth belonged to him. And, uh, and when he sinned, when he fell, he gave pow- that power, that authority to uh, the devil, to Satan and all of his minions. And so now Satan and his host uh, have set up camp, have set up authority. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the rule, the main ruler in authority, but he has many authorities who are, uh, you know, uh, the prince of the power of Persia, you know, prince of Persia fought against Michael the archangel and so forth mm-hmm. and Daniel and so forth. And, and you, you see all these different encounters that the Bible gives us between these spiritual powers uh, that are taking place. Uh, well, that's that's what Paul's referring to. He's, yeah. Those those are real entities that existed and continue to exist, and uh, and in the spiritual realm, uh, when you see that uh, Persia eradicated, mm-hmm. uh, that's God eradicating that spiritual power and and destroys it. Um, it just goes and rears its head somewhere else. 
Uh, but uh, but at some point, but that's that's why I said you're not battling against flesh and blood. Right. So you you tend to look at your boss and go, is my boss who's keeping me from being all that I need to be, or my spouse who's keeping me from being all that I need to be, or that person in traffic who's keeping me from being all that I need yeah. to be. But you're not your battle. If there's anyone who's keeping you from doing that which God would have you to do, it's on three fronts. It is either um, you, uh, you yourself, just simply not being obedient. Uh, it is the system of the world in which we live because we live in a world system that is not, uh, Jesus is not the king at this particular point. He's not, he has already been made king, but he has not established his kingdom. Right. Uh, or it's the principalities and powers. It's the, it's Satan and his, and his world uh, of dominion. And, uh, and that, and there's, those principalities are constantly fighting against us on a daily basis. And, uh, and that's what Paul's talking about. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, one more question. It's kind of easy. Yeah. It's more of a contextual question. Is okay. We began in the, the book of Thessalonians this week. Um, and mm-hmm. so my question is, what's going on in Thessalonica? Um, what What's life like there? What's the culture like there? Why is Paul writing to them? Well, um, Paul, uh, again, this is um, about AD 50 um, uh, when Paul, Paul and Silas, so the missionary team uh, that show up, um, the Thessalonica, Thessalonica, however you want to pronounce it, and uh, and they and they went um, toward uh, the strategic this capital city, uh, which is a Roman province uh, of Macedonia, uh, it, it, and it is a, a large port city. It's on the Aegean Sea uh, in modern day Greece. Uh, it is um, similar. Corinth is also a very uh, strategic city in Greece as well. Gr- Greece, Corinth is kind of a, on an isthmus, which means it's surrounded both sides of water. So it's a, a major port city a- as well. Uh, filled with pagan worshipers and all kinds of idols. I had the whole pantheon of Greek and Roman gods, uh, but well known for its emperor worship. Uh, so when Paul is speaking there, these are the things he is is dealing with uh they were they had a cult following to uh caesar and uh and he had uh, given because of such he had granted its citizens many privileges that they got to uh enjoy so when paul showed up there uh he starts looking for local synagogues to uh, preach and proclaim uh, god in but also um goes to the gentiles and uh so there there were some who were persuaded and uh, joined paul and silas and then the church there was formed and so that's uh, so he's writing a letter uh, a follow-up letter to uh, basically this is the first of his letters that we have uh that he wrote to say hey um checking up on you and uh and so uh it, it's not uh so that's why he's uh, he goes into detail about uh, there was there were some who believed that per- perhaps uh, that uh, the resurrection had already come mm-hmm. and it was already done and they'd missed it. Right. And they were being persecuted uh, because it was a, a cult worship place of emperor worship. When Christianity started to rear its head, uh, those people were um, uh, persecuted pretty heavily. And so they were afraid that those who had died either would miss the second coming mm-hmm. or, uh, or, or whatever. But And that's why Jesus went in. Uh, that's why Paul went through the trouble to share on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say, uh, no, it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And when it does happen, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. Right. They'll be the first to rise up right. and meet him in the air. So as a, as a means of encouragement to them. So, and he wrote two letters. To, gotcha. to them, so. Which we will read next week. Exactly.
Very good. Thank you, Josh. Is that it? Was that the That's third? it. That was the last question. question. Number three? Excellent. Good deal. Well, thank you again for joining us. And as you said, if you ever have a desire to be a part of the podcast, uh, just contact us here at First Baptist Church of Jackson. I've already forgotten our Vietnamese name, uh, but, tong, tong. Uh, but you can check it out on, on Facebook for <laughs> until we get until Facebook will let us change it. Well, it's still there. But uh, anyway, we thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Join us. Next week, as we continue to look through God's word and come to a greater understanding of Jesus.